Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese Med podcast. And today we have an artiste. I'm actually really, really excited because I want to hear about all of these projects. We have Ruben Rojas. Hola, Ruben. How are you? Bien. Gracias por tenerme. I am so, I'm happy to have you. I'm really excited to hear about your projects. I'm excited to hear about a really big project that you had last year and how that went for you. So let me go ahead and read your bio. And then, of course, we always got to talk about the wine. In 2013, Drajas traded in his suit for a paintbrush and began transforming blank walls into unique empowering messages that today are uplifting communities and challenging the public to create new dialogues. Ruben's mission is to ignite creativity and inspire others to see the world through the lens of love. Ruben partners with companies who aim to give back, enhance workspaces, and raise awareness of important issues. Some of his collaborations include BMW, American Express, Ava's Kitchen, W Hotels, and more. And we will definitely be talking about the and more as well. So welcome to the Wine and Cheese May podcast. And before we get into the cheese May, we always start with the wine. So I would love to hear what you are drinking today and what type of wines you're normally attracted to when you drink wine. Today, I'm not drinking wine, but I am drinking something that I say <laughs> is what love tastes like. Tequila Mandala. Oh, wow. Oh, you know what? And it has your love logo all over it. I figured Wait. I don't. I don't have wine in my studio, nor do I have a wine opener, but I do drink wine. I love wine. So I'll pour myself a little bit right here. It's obviously Latino and Armenian owned. So really? that's what we're drinking. Yeah. Nice. I love that. So wait, did you partner with them or did you pay oh, yeah. their logo? No, that's freaking rad. This is a limited edition live through love bottle. Um, the box is super, I don't have the box here, but the box is super cool. And it's a Añejo finished in a sherry cask. It's a sipper. It's delightful. It's limited edition. You can find it. They do have it in some BevMo's and Total Wines. They have it at Wally's, stadiums, different places. So, Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to look for it because, and I asked my boyfriend if he's ever had it. He's a bartender. So he's, he's done um, cocktail competitions and all of these things. So he knows like he's so, so, so knowledgeable when it comes to those things, but he loves sherry. Like he loves, loves sherry. So when you said it was in a sherry cast, I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm going to have to go find one mm -hmm. and buy one. I'm going to have to surprise him. I'm not even going to tell him. Yeah. Where uh, are you located? I'm in San Diego. Oh yeah. They have it somewhere down there. I'll find out where. They, yeah. The, they're in the OC. They're, they're, they're in a, mostly California, but they've expanded. And oh, they're small. Correct. They're small. It's cool. Hey, look, we love a good small business to support here for sure. So definitely want to support and find out because, you know, we I love obviously I love wine, right? Would not have this if I didn't. But and also, cheese, yeah, and cheese, duh. <laughs> but, but I um, have a, your second question, right? I If you want me to answer that. Yeah, so. yeah. Sorry. I was like all, getting all gung-ho on the tequila. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, we could just not go there. But uh, red wine, I love all red wine. You know, it's I started with two buck check when I was like 
18 or 20, whenever mm -hmm. I could buy it, 21 legally. It's like $2 a Trader Joe's. I think the price went up and you didn't know any better. You're like, two yeah. bucks, I can get it's a bottle. It's $4, I think now. <laughs> and then you go up to like a $7 bottle. Then you go up to a $19 bottle. Then I signed up for this wine club. And in there, at some point, I had a really expensive wine. And I'm like, why am I going to spend 300 on this when I could get a $20 wine? But then now I know. So okay. I'm going to say not all... $300. I think it depends on where you're getting it, right? And what they do in the process, because not every $300, I've had plenty of $20, $30 bottle of wines that I actually like way better than like oh, yeah. $300 bottle wine. Because a lot of people don't realize that some of that, a lot of that money goes into marketing. It goes to the, the bottle, the label, the, all of these other things, not necessarily the process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm in the the 45 to 60 range, you find so much gold. And if you're going to drink, drink, there's tons of stuff in the 30 range, French Bordeaux. And I always say bulgogi, but that's a, a Korean barbecue meat yeah. dish. It's like boog. Bougelet. I don't know. I can't even. Bougelet. Yeah. Some of that <laughs> stuff. Malbecs. I just like those kinds of wines. And it's just great. You know, when we go through Italy, just Italian wine all day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When I'm traveling, it's there's a bottle for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And breakfast is obviously like a Prosecco or a Champagne. Or, you know, yes. lunchtime could be a... a yeah, a in rose. Italy, it would be... Yeah, it would definitely... It would be a Cava, usually. No, 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 Spain. Prosecco. Prosecco in Italy. Cava in Spain. Champagne in France. Mm-hmm. So no, I am so with you, but I've yet to go to Europe. So I, <sighs> I know, I run, know, run, I know this is like the challenge. I, people, when I say that, they're like, what? And I go, I know. And I get, you know, I think if I go strictly for the podcast and record, I get, I can write that off. I just need to do it. I just need to figure out the best time and just go. So I just don't want to go without my boyfriend. And it's hard when you work in the service industry. So I'm actually drinking a Maldonado uh, Vineyards Chardonnay. I'm not normally a Chardonnay person. I love red wines, but this is what I've learned about Chardonnay. And I've said it several times. I've realized when it comes to Chardonnay, I don't really like just full barrel aged Chardonnay. If it's a split between a barrel and steel age or just steel age, I can handle that. I like it. But when it's just a of barrel aged Chardonnay. It gets too heavy for me. It's too buttery and I don't mm -hmm. like it, but too golden. You know, I agree. Yeah. I like my Chardonnay clear. Yeah. Well, this one is, is a little golden, but it's not buttery. I don't know if you, you probably can't see it because of my thing, but oh, there you go. There it is. It has kind of a little green to it, which I, yeah, it's, it's a really, really nice. I'm almost done. I have enough for maybe one, one and a half glasses here. So I figured I would just finish the bottle while we're talking. <laughs> it's happy hour. Let's go. So, salud. Oh, hey. Ah, this is good. I love this one. I will say, yeah, I'm so glad I learned that about myself in regards to like just learning about the process and learning about the wines and everything and can always continuing to learn. You're in your studio. I, you know, I'm seeing everything in your studio and it is, I mean, truly an artist studio. I love, no pun intended, I love to see the studio behind you. I think that's so rad. But I want to kind of let's just jump in. And I want to talk about like growing up being, are you like, are you, are you first gen? Are you second gen? Like, what is your family history in regards to being now here you are in California? I'm first gen. And where are your parents from? Colombia. Really? Love that. You know what? We have quite a, I've had quite a few Colombianos on the podcast. And one of my really good friends, Astrid, is from Colombia. She actually moved here when she was a child. She's like in the East Coast and everything. But so being an artist, like I, I was saying something before earlier that I feel like when you're an artist, you're an artist from birth. Like you just see things different. You just see things that nobody sees. You kind of put these things together. And is that something that you experienced when you were really young? Like you just gravitated towards all these creative things. And, and what was the response, whether you, it was at home or at school? Yeah, so I was an artist out the gate, but I was also an athlete out the gate. So I was 
both. So as an athlete, that's one thing. Artist, that's one thing. So I was able to use creativity in a lot of stuff. And, you know, as a kid, I would doodle all over at school, my notes. It was my notes and then doodles are just everywhere. I would do the book covers because we had to cover our textbooks and people were like, hey, do my name, whatever. Oh, yeah, so with the uh, paper, yeah. with the paper grocery mm-hmm. bags. So uh, creativity has always been there and is just part of me. I don't have any formal training, as you'll probably ask questions and I'll tell you where I went with that path. But uh, my mom put us in weekend art classes here and there. My mom actually had, when I was really young, before, she had an arts and crafts store. It was called El Tayed Craft Shop. I don't talk about it a lot because by the time we were old enough to remember, there was one store in the Panorama Mall and the other store, I think she had two. I don't remember where the other one was. But like, so it was there, but it wasn't like, go be an artist. Yeah. But there was creativity like already fostered even through your mom because she had an arts and crafts store and then she's putting you uh, in these these art classes and whatever. Is this something because I tend to find people that are artistic have a hard time in school, like the schoolwork itself, because their mind is constantly wandering and everything. So how did you balance your creative mind? your sports, and like your actual education. This is where I'm wired different. (laughs) School was easy. Really? I just sat, took notes, doodled, and I'd get A's. (laughs) I don't know. So, you know, and even now, how I've been able to turn, you know, this into what it's become as a business. Like I have, I'm ambidextrous. Like maybe my brain's ambidextrous. I think I get both sides of it. So I can run down the business side of it, the analytical side of it, the science side of it. I liked science. I did both. That's so crazy. Cause like I said, I I've known people who are very artistic or artists and everything. And they, the people that I've spoken with previously, they tend to be kind of like head in the clouds. Like they just wander off and start thinking of other things. And you have to be like, Hey, over here, over here, like pay attention. So that's so crazy that that is like you were just so, like you said, maybe your mind is ambidextrous as well. So Mm -hmm. I think that's so, so cool. What sports did you play as well? Uh, Football, soccer and track. Are you serious? So you're a football, you play football, soccer, track. You have no problem. Your school came easy to you, as did your artistic side. Okay, this interview is very boring. You need to give me some cheese, man, Ruben. This conversation is just too easy. I need some cheese, man. You need to give me some. <laughs> well, let's see what question leads to where. <laughs> so what did you find? Like, did you feel like you ever had to choose going through like your sports side, your creative side? Obviously, you can get creative in sports and certain things, right? Like there's creativity that you have to use in regards to thinking ahead of what you know, somebody's doing and how you're going to respond or trying to be creative with a play or something like that, just to, to get something done. Did you find that there was ever any conflict within any of those things or what did it, did it literally just come all that easy for you? Cause I'm going to be mad if it did. No, <laughs> no, I don't know if there was conflict like that per se. It was more conflict. If I said there was conflict in anything, it's because I I belong to like the jock group, but then I belong to the creative group. I kind of made friends with, so oh. that might have been it. Like I can't spend enough time with each side, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Growing up, you know, no, I get it. The jocks are the jocks. They usually stayed around away from the creatives, and you name it. Yeah, so. no, I get it. I had it slightly similar, but it was just a little bit different because I was a cheerleader and I played softball. I like to call myself a girly tomboy. And I also, I was the only Latina cheerleader, but then everybody I hung out with were all the other Latinos. So it was very much walking this fine line. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. But in just in a very different way with my, you know, with who I felt most comfortable with in regards to just hanging out versus the thing that I love to do, which was play, you know, play softball and cheer and, So, yeah, it is very, very different having to balance that because you still need to be friends with your teammates. You still need to be, you know, you have to trust them. You have to, they have to trust you in order to 
play or, or to even cheer. I was a bass, so I was throwing people up. So people absolutely had to trust me, right? So you have to make sure you're making a time for that, but you also need to make time for yourself. Mm-hmm. So obviously your time for yourself was tapping into your creativity probably more than anything. Mm-hmm. Was it always through through drawing and through painting or was there ever anything else that kind of drew your attention in regards to the arts? It was mostly that creative process. Like I love music, but I'm, you know, if I said I could have many talents, singing would not be one of them, music. But although I made a song with a buddy and it's done pretty well. So, you know. <laughs> writing part of the song is something else. I didn't sing it. I spoke on it. But I guess music, I was about to say, really? Come on. <laughs> I've, I've dabbled. I've dabbled in acting and all that. I love anything creative, whatever is a creative process. But I also have to love it. When I when I was really deeper into acting, I just wasn't into it. Now I think I'd be way more into it. Like mm-hmm. emotionally, everything. I'd be like, mm, I could probably go down that path a little bit. But the memorization—that's a whole other world. Yeah. Yeah, it was mostly physical creativity, art, woodshop, 3D design, photography. I love photography, just creating things in that, writing, creative writing and poetry. So always in those spaces, the performance of singing, not so much. And the performance of act, like I didn't act in the school plays or anything like that. I don't even know if we had school plays at my school. (laughs) I love that you're saying that because I think people often forget, like so often we think of the arts, we think of painting, like we think of kind of like very linear, I think so so often we think of painting or drawing or dancing, but we forget writing is an art, singing Mm -hmm. is an art, acting is an art, like there's so many different artistic expressions. This, even doing a podcast, right? That's an art because you have to know, like you have to be able to connect with people and you have to be able to be creative. And sometimes you have to be very creative with your questions because depending on who you're talking to, right? Oh, Um, I've had some situations where you're just like... Oh, I need to hear one. This, see, see, I knew I'd get some cheese, man. You got to give me Okay, so I had had someone on. I'm not going to say what they were and weren't. This person and I had a very deep, awesome conversation. Perfect for my podcast at their place and then they're like well let's take it to the podcast let's do it finally did the podcast it was nowhere near any of that it became i don't know it's just like the sky is blue yeah so i walked my dog today and that's why i was late i'm like what is happening so who are you (laughs) that episode never made it to air I, you know what i've had i think i've actually had one episode that didn't make it to air and it was really, I was pulling, I was like pulling teeth to get something. And I felt so bad because it was really valuable information, but it was very painful to listen to. And then by the time I was like, well, let me edit, see if I can edit it enough. It was kind of timely based on who like the secretary of education was and what was happening at that time. So it was time had kind of passed. So it wasn't, so like we couldn't kind of use that anymore anyways. So that one just never, never made it to air, but it's true. Like anything, I think with any beauty has to come. Well, maybe I'm wrong. So tell me, like, I kind of always feel like through pain comes beauty, right? Like oftentimes you hear artists, singers, they have their most successful songs from a place of pain. You have some of the most successful, a lot of times artists are like, oh yeah, I was feeling really shitty that day. I've had some artist friends like, and it was a magnificent piece of work that came. Do you kind of work in that same vein? Is that something that you've always done? Or do you come from a really happy place and that you're able to convey this into your art? Well, the beauty lies within the struggle. Now, I like to say, and I say, you don't have to be Edgar Allan Poe in the corner or or the suicidal dark guy on druggy, or like people have this misconception of what an artist should be, right? They're usually not athletes and fit like I am, which that I get that a lot. I have my dark days. I have my really dark days. I have my high days. It's all over the place. So I think my art is the answer to the dark days. It's not so much that I'm creating from the darkness. It's more how do I answer when I'm in that moment and what do I need to see in the world? So the first mural asked the question, who will you be? 
and I painted leader, responsible, worthy, just 80 different words in that vein, because I didn't see that in the world. I kept seeing billboards that said, you know, attacking my ego. You're not enough. You know, go freeze the fat, go buy a truck, go escape to the movies, go get a boob job. Like you see all these things. And I'm like, I need to see the thing that's going to change the narrative in my head, which is like, today I'm going to be responsible of me leader and I'm going to be grateful for what I have. So that's where my come from is. It's like fear is being fire hosed at us. How do I show the other side of it? Because there's actually more love in the world. We just don't see it as much because it's just not in front of us. Yeah, I feel like it becomes that negativity is what sells, right? Like the that's what they put out. And I totally agree that we are getting messages constantly that we're not enough, that we're not enough. You need this, you need this, you need this, you need this in order to fulfill your life, in order to all of these things. When was the first time you actually recognized that to be able to create this, like you write down all these words and you're creating this mural that encompasses all that. So that's something that you learned early on, or was that something you as you got older, you really started to see that. So there's parts of me that have always been there. So it's it's like we lose ourselves along the way. We get broken. We put up guards. We However you want to frame it. You know, no one's broken. We're just a constant evolution. If we realize that we're always evolving, we can and try to move forward. Right. Let's move forward. Let's not evolve backwards because you can de-evolve too. There's moments in my life I was very vulnerable, very open, very and then something happened. My mom's like, don't share what happens in the house out publicly. Boom, put up a wall. I dated a girlfriend at the time who's like, you don't need to be sensitive. You need to be macho. You need to be jealous. You need to be this. So I'm like, okay, I can't cry. And so on and so forth. And all these layers and things. And I look back because later I went and did some emotional intelligence work back in 2013, 2014, before it became so popular. But then I look back at what I used to write years before that. And I'm like, all it did was bring me back to who I was. Mm-hmm. It's not that it created something new or a new person. I think what we're, I think the biggest issue is we read the next get help book and self-help book and leadership book and podcast and show and whatever, but we don't apply it. And we don't realize we've already had some of those answers. Let's start doing it. Just stop seeking the knowledge, actually start implementing it. So a lot of it was there. And then I finally figured out a way of how am I going to put this out in the world? Like I had a little blog and I wrote on the blog. I would tweet some quotes, tweet some quotes. And it's always been, I don't, I have zero notion of saying I'm a motivational, inspirational speaker. That is not nowhere near on my resume (laughs) of things. And I get to go speak and do things. But from the storytelling capacity or from that lead by example capacity, you know, as athletes, we act, we practice, we act, we practice, we react, right? Those are our results. We want to win a game. We want to score the points. So I kind of operate from that and actually do it. And it's just leading by example. So the answers are inside, you know, and if you want to, if it's God, if it's the universe, if it's Mother Earth, whoever you tap into, we're all part of that. So yeah. it's there. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese man. Being an athlete, playing multiple sports, like how that lent itself into your creativity. Like what in regards to using, you get discipline when you're playing sports because obviously you're on a schedule, you're this and you're that. So how did you kind of lean into that, especially once you started after high school? I don't know. Tell me if you, you most athletes stop playing sports, like competitive sports after high school, right? Unless they play college. So what was that transition like? And how do you use that athletic mindset in your creativity? So after high school, I went and played college football. So I kept going. Where did you play? I played at College of the Canyons for a couple of years. And I got a bunch of scholarships that I didn't want to go to like Adam State or North Dakota or South, like wherever. Good these choice. No. <laughs> The the division three colleges were like, yo, we want you on the team, but you still have to pay tuition. I'm like, why am I going to drive all the way over there, pay you tuition? And the whole point of when you go away to a college and maybe you're playing sports, there's some kind of help. So so that didn't happen. So I didn't continue after those two years. And then for a couple of years, it's just, I was in the gym. Like, okay, well, I have to do something. I'm not going to just sit on my butt. I was an active person. We played pickup games and basketball and bikes. But then I found CrossFit 
And I went all in on CrossFit, played at every level of CrossFit for many, many, many years, um, regionals, games, on teams. So again, athletics. And I say, I mean, to answer the question, there's two words. It's work ethic. You know, not not to throw shade at anyone, but I have a nonprofit and we've worked with, I've been able to work with tons of artists through that nonprofit or other collaborations or other places. And there's a common theme, which I believe there's a lack of work ethic. There's a lack of accountability. If you never played team sports, whether you started or not, there's some discipline there. And if you don't have the discipline to show up every day and do the reps, like it's not easy what I do. Like I put in the work all the time. That's how I got here. It's not pure talent and someone anointed me. No, I put in the work. I believe in something. I've created a mission and I have a vision and, and I see where I want this to go. And that's the visualization from, you know, sports psychology, visualize yourself at the finish line, visualize yourself as a champion, visualize like, so that's the athletic mindset. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this and I want to do this and I'm going to do that and start looking at it that way and figuring it out. Because if you sit here as an artist and compare yourself to every blue chip top artist in the world, like, your path cannot be that path. And generationally, they started different eras from you. And also now the social media era, you can pop off on TikTok and have only been an artist for a day. You never know. So you've yeah. got to quiet the noise. And there's only one way to quiet the noise. I love that you said that because I think so often we do come. I literally just had this conversation with somebody in regards to not comparing yourself to somebody else's journey. because. Your journey is your journey, right? Like you don't know. We and and on social media, in that vein, on social media, we only see what people want us to see. We only see the successes. We don't see the years of work, the years of commitment, the failure, the tears, the frustration that goes into it. We see the yay, this is happening type of thing. I even try to not only show the good things. I if I'm having a really bad day, sometimes I will share it. Not all the time, because who wants to share every single moment of that, right? Nobody. But I do try and share sometimes when it's bad, because I think I tend to be perceived as a very bubbly, happy person, which I, for the most part, am. That doesn't mean I have bad days. And that doesn't mean that I don't work hard. It still means when I'm crying, I might have to take five minutes, but that means I still need to get my ass in front of my computer, make phone calls, do this, do that to get what I want. And talking about when you're visualizing, visualizing yourself at the finish line, there's, I think there's a, an actual study that says like, if you visualize yourself doing it, it's almost your brain starts to believe that you're actually doing it and starts responding in kind. So it's not fake it till you make it. You have to have, you have to visualize it and and then your brain chemistry actually changes. So it becomes that. Yeah, fake it till you make it has been bastardized a little bit, right? It's like, let me go rent the Lambo, throw some paintings in there, act like I'm delivering it to this amazing house and I just got paid. No, but if you want to say, hey, I'm manifesting right now. I am doing this because this is my dream card. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what it looks like. Let me go do that. There's a bit, it's, it's more like believe it till you make it. Just constantly say it. The problem with fake it till you make it is you're conning yourself and the world. If you believe it to make it real and a reality, you are actually in charge of creating that and controlling it. So it's a fine line, but that's what I think is, you know, you see, and the social media does not help to fake it till you make it. No, it totally doesn't. It just gives so much, I don't know. You have to have a real life, not just a social media life, right? Mm-hmm. So what you traded in your suit, in your bio, it's like trading in your suit for paintbrushes in 2013. So tell me, what were you doing in 20? Like, what was that path from playing football in college? You do it for two years and you're like, I'm done because I'm not going to freeze my nalgas off in South Dakota or North Dakota and have to pay tuition. I'm done. You find CrossFit. But then obviously there is a point right? Where you are going into business. I'm assuming business because it says you're training in your suit for paintbrushes. So take me through what, what that was from when you, what you were doing, what was that? And then what was that moment where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you wanted to really feed that creative side. 
So after two years of college, I was an exercise science major. So I got my AS in biology. And then I went and got my BS in kinesiology, exercise science. I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I went to CSUN, had one of the best kinese programs. I have two regrets in life. I don't live by regret, but one of them is not going away to college for the reasons of all those amazing things of going away. Like imagine if I did four years in NYU or just wherever, it doesn't matter. I stayed home. Like CSUN, I could have ran there from my house. I mean, it would have been a pretty long run, but it was a 15, 20 minute drive from where I grew up. So it wasn't like I got that experience. So I'll, I'll tell anyone. Go to college for that experience. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. You have to live away. I feel like you have to move away from your family to learn who you are away from your family. Yeah, because I'm born and raised in L.A. I'm still in L.A., but I also just love L.A. And there's a lot of opportunity. And what I've created is really strong. I've traveled a lot. But back to that, graduated from CSUN. I have too many degrees. I, I was the kid that did like 23 semesters, 23 units, 22 units. Remember, I said school was easy. And I don't mean easy like walk in the park. It was just easy. I caught on. Like there was a point where I I was a Mesa tutor. I would tutor other kids in biology and chemistry and everything. And that actually paid well. That was probably one of my first paid jobs. My microbiology teacher asked me, hey, do you want to work in the Mesa Center and be a tutor? And that's how that happened. Chemistry. I hated chemistry. I, I mean, I didn't love it. But yeah, there was a six unit. I think it was like six hours. It was so long. It was anyway. So I, I graduated and I'm looking at orthopedic surgeon, med school. What am I going to do? Buddy's like, come try out real estate. I'm like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? Med school's still there. I made 18 grand my first month in real estate. And I said, mm, half a million in debt, bald fat, 10 more years of school or money now. So I went after the money. And more and more money and more and more money and more and more money. And I made a boatload of money. Diamond watches, rims, escalates, boats, houses, all the things. That was in Vegas every other weekend. Like that's that was the life in my early 20s. I'm Colombian. We're already ostentatious. I'm young and dumb. <laughs> I got two buddies. Like we're out partying, doing the thing. That's what you do in your 20s. But you also fall in love with the lie. I call it the lie now. That success is purely measured by what you have on and it's kind of the truth in america it's like what you drive what you own what you wear brands you if you're successful or not and that also goes back to the lie about fake it you make it i could wear a two thousand dollar suit doesn't mean i'm making two thousand dollars you know it's so but at the time i was and then 2008 hits and we all know subprime meltdown the whole shebang i and i was raised as a good boy to take care of his credit pay all his bills but money didn't come in. I was paying off my employees, paying everyone down, getting rid of everything, sold the boats, sold the houses, sold the stuff. I, mind you, I did save half of everything. So if I had a paycheck come in, call it 20K, 10K went to a money market, a country where it was paying four and a half percent at the time, and 10K I would spend on life. So I was good at that. And that's what saved me through most of it. But there was a point where I had to go bankrupt. And I went into court. Here, the judge is like, yeah, you did everything in your power to not get to this point. And this is the point that you're here. The kicker, I also then got a DUI at the same time. So bankrupt, DUI. Yay. And by DUI, as we drink on the podcast. Um, right. <laughs> no, and I barely. We're sitting. We're sitting. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> the Uber didn't exist yet. No, there's no excuse now. But uh, I, I'll just say it's karma for the times that I was plastered and shouldn't have been driving. Because when I got in trouble, it ended up being a wet reckless. So on my record, I had nothing. But for the DMV, anything is a DUI no matter what. Any mark is a DUI. So DMV-wise, I was affected. My actual record as a human being, there's nothing on my record. But that was expensive. There was community service, a lot of time. And I was bankrupt and I was in the gutter. So I had to build back up. I'm like, wow, it's me without all these things still. Hmm. I don't need these things to still be me. This is weird. Was that like self about like, oh shit, I kind of need to self-evaluate what's going on here? A little bit because yeah, my belief system was I'm successful by how much money I have. And I was the guy that had some money. Um, that was part of it. You know, some of us 
have things that we're known by and we love that. And then if you lose that, you have a problem. So, right. Let's just say you're the six pack guy and all of a sudden you're a keg guy. Like you, there's probably an issue mentally of like, oh, I used to be that guy, you know? So wait, can anyway. I just say really quick when you said yeah. six pack guy to keg guy, I thought you meant like ripped six pack. And then you went like to the pony keg guy with the belly, <laughs> with the panza. No, yeah. Six pack ripped to keg panzota yeah. that's exactly what i'm talking about okay, um, okay well because so i'm as an athlete i've always been fit and when i was in real estate and then when i was in finance there's always the guys that let themselves go and they're successful they're like if you want to succeed you're going to look like me i never let myself go and i outperformed all the top guys in the real estate i never looked like them i still had time for the gym again it goes back to athletic mindset your body is your temple in the sense like, look, I drink, I eat cake, I, I eat pizza, I eat burgers, I eat fries. It's just, you've been training for, it's a balance. It's a balance in everything. I don't just eat lettuce. Then the back on track to the story, we're bike shedding a little bit. I go into finance. A couple of people are like, hey, you should go into finance. So I take my test, go to Mass Mutual, and I'm off to the races. Rookie of the year, leaders conference, succeeding again. Five years in, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in this thing where money is the carrot again. I'm doing well, I've rebuilt. Look, I'm not allergic to money. I like nice things. I like money. We need money in the world. I just don't want that to be my sole driving purpose because that's what it was in my 20s. It's like, no, I got to make more money. I, I could have traveled two years, no problem during those real estate times and I didn't. I mean, I've made up for all that traveling now. Um, if you want some inspo, my son has been to eight countries before two years of age. He's been to Europe a few times. Yeah, I'm jealous of your two-year-old son. So um, <laughs> maybe you can go. Uh, anyway, that wasn't that was kind of a, a dig, but not in a bad way. In it's a, okay. No, I appreciate it. It's it's motivating. <laughs> um, of course, obviously, he doesn't have a choice. He's just dragging along with me and my wife. But. Uh, I'm miserable. I'm depressed. I'm I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm no baggage. I've rebuilt. I'm like, who the hell am I to be depressed and feeling like this? Like, so I'm even judging my depression with more depression. And that's when I go and just do some work on myself. A buddy of mine is a huge podcaster. He asked me for a coffee and wanted to share what he was doing. And it was like right place, right time. I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like, if I wasn't feeling this way, I probably wouldn't have said yes. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Let's go. And it was an intensive week of like doing stuff. And then I'm like, all right, let's keep going. There's another intensive week. I'm like, all right, keep going. Because it was uncomfortable, right? This is like, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I I'm looking around? Like, who are all these people? Are they all like me? Like, what's happening? It's all walks of life. And then I sign up for the final course and I do that whole thing. In the middle of that, at the end of that is how we led me to the first mural. And that's because we wear hoodies to match as a graduating class. And I'm like, oh, I'll design it. And I designed it. And my other buddy who started Beautify Lincoln that we turned into Beautify Earth, our nonprofit, said, that needs to go on a wall. And that led to that mural I told you about. Who will you be with all those words? And then I painted another and another and another. So I painted my first mural 23, 2014. So that's when I started making the choice. In 2018 is when I actually traded in the suit because from there to 2018, I was still half in, half out. I lived in this space I call Mediocreville because I am self-sabotaging finance because obviously if I'm going to do really, why would I walk away from boatloads of money? So I had to start failing at it. But then art, I'm like, how the hell am I going to make money? How, how is this even possible? Like, what is this? What does this look like? And my business brain is like, how do I turn this into, how do I feed a family? I wasn't married or anything at the time, but I'm foreshadowing. If I stay in finance, I'm going to be divorced. My kids are going to hate me because all I'm going to provide is money because I'm a miserable a-hole. But if I go art, maybe we're on the streets because I have no idea how to turn that into anything. So the from 2014... Yeah, I hate that term. So from 2014 to 2018, I'm like, I need to figure out how to make money. During that time, I'm building my stuff. I'm just keep doing my art, my art, my art, but I take projects on that pay money. GT Kombucha, for example, wanted 30 foot tall bottles of kombucha painted as a mural. So I got a squad together and we painted six of them on their property. 
ooh, we can make some money. Okay, and then another one, another one, until now it's, I only paid my stuff. Yeah. So that's when I left it cold turkey, and here we are. So I want to kind of go back to- Lots of cheese, man. Yes, I love it. See, we got it. We're getting the cheese, man. I, I want to kind of go back to something you were saying in regards to being like when when real estate was falling and then you have to make yourself like with what you were doing in regards to investing and stuff. Did you ever feel like, because obviously, look, most of my audience is, is Latino and there's always this thing of you have to take the safe route. You have to take the safe route. We came here, like you need to have something that's going to provide, it's going to like, things that you were already saying, did you ever have a moment or did you ever have this conversation? And probably, I mean, maybe not because most Latinos don't have this conversation with their parents. Let's be honest. Did you ever feel like you were a failure or that you were failing your family when this was happening? No. I love that because I feel like so many people would. You have to be so confident in yourself to not feel like that. There, there, yeah, so there's a lot of things you have to unpack and you got to unpack them as Latinos also, right? Because I also believe if we look at the spectrum of the world, it's white, it's black, brown, yellow, red. I mean, red's in a whole nother world, the Indians. Let's just say brown and yellow, Asians and us, we're in the middle, kind of lost in this mud because the focus is on white and the focus is on black. I call it like, it's like a reverse racism. We just get overlooked, you know? Mm -hmm. We are the hardest workers in the room but we always get overlooked. And then we're taught to not make noise. Go in, clock in, clock out, go home, get your paycheck, feed your family and do that until you're retired. Yeah. And don't aspire to anything else. That wasn't how my family operated. I mean, both my parents were entrepreneurial, but I've seen it enough. And when I was in real estate, they always wanted, because I'm Spanish speaking, go work with the Latino. Like they wanted to pigeonhole me to only work with the Latinos. And I'm like, why? And then you, that's a whole nother story. But like, there's a lot of people in the world, and I always looked at it's we're all human. We're all human. It doesn't matter. Why do we keep trying to segment themselves? We're all a little quirky. We're all a little different, right? Whites, blacks, brown, we all have our thing. Stereotypes exist for a reason. And I don't think it's as the reason of, of insult. It's more like, you know, the Mexicans, the Mexican, the Colombians, the Colombian, you know, the different mm -hmm. Asians are the different Asians, whatever. I never had the guilt of the family. Obviously there's the respect and all that around the mother and the matriarch and this is my mom and this is my dad. But for some reason, and now that I have a kid, I even believe in this more. It's like, y'all chose to have sex and make me. I didn't go knocking on your sex <laughs> organs. Hey, right now, make me have me come out. Like I didn't ask for this. I am grateful for every choice by parents and sacrifices and whatever, but that's something they made. I didn't choose that. I didn't ask for it. Don't put that burden on me. And I think because I believe that now I have a son, I'm like, whatever I choose, he doesn't owe me anything. His mom, my wife, and I chose to have Remy. And now Remy's here and he's the love of my life. And everything I do is for him and he will never owe me. I'm never going to say, here's your bill. Like, and I think there's a lot of that in Hispanic culture and Arab, like you name it, all these, this, this oh, I'm not going to save because you're just going to take care of me when I'm old. You know, the burden that that puts on your offspring and their relationship and their marriage and their kids is this vicious cycle of like the stress of money. And maybe the, the, the moms don't get along with the wives. Like, obviously, like it's just a total disaster. So I think because of that, I've never, I've never had to play it safe. I don't know what playing it safe is. I jump off cliffs eight times over, build my parachute all the way down. Now that I'm getting older, the only difference is I'm more in keen and in touch with my mortality. So that's the thing. It's like, oh, I remember better not jump off the house now. Like I can get hurt. I was about to say, how has that changed? Now that you're in touch with your mortality, how has that changed? Even your work, how has that changed your work and just your perception of the things that you're going to move forward on? It just means it's more important. Like people ask, did your son make your, your change anything in your work? I'm like, no, it's more important now because it's going to last me. It's going to outlast me. It's going to be here for him because mm -hmm. I'm going to be gone. It's going to be there. It's going to hopefully make the better world that he's going to live and occupy for many years after me. So it's more important in that capacity, but that's it. 
I always think it's so important to talk about failures and you've absolutely done that. And I appreciate it because I think so many times we talk about where people are now and, oh, this and that, but we so often kind of, I feel like it's just like a reiteration of things that we were talking about before. It's so important to talk about the journey and how we've gotten there because you can't compare your journey to somebody else's, right? Like you're on your own journey, but there's always so many, like, honestly, I'm sitting here getting inspired talking to you because I think it's just so, so important to say, like, I I screwed up or I failed or I whatever, but that's not the end of my journey. I found something else. I moved on to something else. I knew I could continue because your failures don't f- define you, right? How you react. And how you move forward, that's what really kind of defines who you are because you're not letting the failure hold you down. You can reframe failure though, Mm -hmm. right? Every failure is a step towards success. So all your failures added up equals success. So if we look at constantly failing, but if if you keep going though, that next thing is like, oh, there it is. And you don't realize I say it's failing forward. Mm-hmm. That's usually what I say. Well, I'm going to, uh, it's okay. I'm going to fail forward. Because you always learn some. You learn so much more from your failures than you from your success. If you don't learn, that's a failure. Yeah. you learn, it's a lesson. I like that. I like that. So you're talking about these kombucha bottles. I'm sorry. Now I'm going to fast forward. Fast forward. How do you even go from, I don't even know how I'm going to do this to, oh, I just got this like big commission at like to commission these, painting these kombucha bottles. And yes, there is money. How do you go from, I don't know how I'm going to make money to, oh, I have this 30 foot kombucha, six kombucha bottles that I have to do. How do you go from that to that? You just say yes. Were you just putting yourself out there to every, I mean, obviously I'm sure you're some, you're somebody who I'm sure uses your network very deliberately, but I also feel, and tell me if I'm wrong, I also feel like you don't. You don't just use your network, you work your network. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like there's like, I feel like there's always a transact, not, I'm sorry, not transaction. Like you're going to use the, not, I hate saying use. You're going to build those relationships. That's what I want. You're going to build relationships. Connect people and be in service. So if, if you're in service to your mission, if you have a mission, my buddy Lewis says, have a meaningful mission. And if you have a meaningful mission when you're out networking or meeting or whatever you want to call it, because I don't, I used to network when I was in finance. I don't network now, but then that's only defining how that definition of network looked like because we're always networking if you're talking to anybody. Right. Just like we're all salespeople. People are like, oh, I'm an artist. I'm not a salesman. I'm like, every time you show someone your work, you're selling it. Like we're all selling something. Let's just get over that. But if you're being in service to your mission and your missions in service to man, like all you do is serving and serving and serving. Transactional, I think, where it's when you ask, 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 and keep on asking, that never get back. That's the problem. We all have that friend or that person. But make sure you ask. Also, don't not ask. Like I'm terrible at asking for help and asking for things. Well, the answer is always no, if you don't ask the question. Closed mouths don't get fed. That's right. (laughs) So I don't know how, I don't remember how that came about. I would just keep painting my, most of my first murals were all completely free or if not like out of my pocket. I even sometimes still do free murals and pro bono murals and Think of it this way. Every time you put your work out there, that is someone sees it. So is it free or is it marketing? Now it's like, oh, you're using marketing. Mm. Is it putting (laughs) my brand out there? Is it putting like, hey, I could have not done it and waited for $20,000 or the wall needed it. And I'm like, yo, let me do this. I have a friend. They want to help. Like, can we put this up? And I'm just there giving up hours of my time that would have been X value, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll come back. But whenever you're in service, it comes back tenfold. So don't do it because you know that there's a big difference. It's just do it to do it because you love it. But realize as long as you're moving that forward, I think it's going to help. And that that applies with everything. Go connect someone because maybe at some point it could lead back to you. I try to connect people all the time. Like, oh, hey, you should know this guy. You guys would get along. Oh, I'm the same way. I'm like, wait, I know who you need to talk to. I need to, I need you to introduce you to this person, blah, blah, blah. Like I totally am the same way. I want to fast forward a little bit more because 
you created this whole brand around love. I want to know how that came about. You have murals literally all over the country. Oh my gosh, I'm like bumping into my wine here. You have murals all over LA. You would have murals. Okay. I won't say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy. All over. You even have some in Illinois. You even have one at Lancaster Maximum Security Prison, which I think you would be like, what? How does that? That's so crazy. But the mural in which you have on your on your social media is forgive forgiven which i think is very very powerful to have at a prison but you even have some in san antonio philly i mean like paris you have one all over la and i found when i was looking at them they're all full of messages and then you come in 2022 you get an nfl feature for the Rams and Bills, the Rams and Bills for this love sculpture. How, like, I'm just, honestly, I was looking at all of these. They're so, so powerful. How did this love message come? Because I think I, you were kind of, I think, alluding to it earlier, right? In regards to, especially for that first one, obviously things evolve, evolve, but you decided like this particular thing. And this was very, very powerful. And I feel like there's a thread of that in all of your, in all of your murals. So how did this NFL partnership come to be? And did that blow your mind when the call came to do this? (laughs) Let's like, no, because I was manifesting. (laughs) No, no. It's funny because I say, I tell my buddies I played ball with and like, they all wanted to go, Hey, I made it to the league. I'm not a player on the field, but I'm in the league now. I don't know. Where do we start? So all my, it's either love or fear. I distilled everything down because a lot of my murals were begin with gratitude, grateful, be humble. Anything can happen. Anything can be. You are beautiful. It's not all just love. Breathe. I did a breathe one in 20. But I feel like love 19. emanate from all of those. No, correct. And that's like, if we operate a love, we operate a fear. Everything else falls under those things, right? And I'm anxious. Okay, that's fear. I'm joyful. That's love. I'm scared, fear, obviously. I'm angry, fear. I'm vindictive, fear. I'm vengeful, fear. Blissful and loving and grateful and all that's all love. So it, the simplest terms that I could bring it down to is we operate a love, we operate a fear. And then I'm like, well, what if I get even more simple? Let me just put love. Let me get as direct as possible because art is very subjective. I use words, color, and things for a reason, it evokes emotion, it reminds you of things, and you can read the language. And I also learned, I did a mural with a buddy where we did a face and airplanes and the brain was a galaxy. I mean, it's a beautiful mural. And I would say one of the coolest ones, but it just didn't get the traction, didn't make the impact. And it was about you know using your imagination and not letting it go to waste. But when I just put the message or the words, like that's what makes it, because it's if you help people not have to think and let them just feel it and feel the emotion, it's going to land even harder, right? If it says gratitude with colors and roses and you're like, and maybe it's 4 p.m. and you're on your commute home and you're like, you know what? I'm going to have gratitude for today, right? Or another one says, do what you love. And you're like, I love this side hustle. How am I going to turn that into something real? Mm-hmm. Another one says, be humble. I've been balling out of control, man. My ego's been going crazy. Maybe I should humble myself a little bit. Like it, it all has something. So I was, I was always thinking like, how can we make it so simple for people? And that's what it comes down to. But like, how do we land from here to the NFL? We did a project for Super Bowl NFL honors the year before. Usher was performing and I was the live painting artist. That's the easiest way to put it. And I I painted the NFL logo with love and I painted the Super Bowl logo with love live at this honors event. And somehow that a photo of that made its way to an executive really high up at the NFL. And she sent an email, a little inquiry, and she's like, I love that. Do you sell that? I'm like, no, that was special for the event. Obviously, this is where my business brain kicks in. I'm like, I'm not making prints of the NFL logo with my artwork. 
and saying that to an NFL, like, no, I'm like, no, that's not for sale. It was a special thing. I'm not going to go try to make money. Also, you work for the NFL. I'm not trying to get in trouble also. You know, like this whole thing, like, you got to be smart with what you're doing at some point. But that, that's what went through my head. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, but that's that's not for sale. It was special for this. And she's like, okay, cool. Well, what do you have? I'd love to, I'm like, send her my website. She bought a painting for her brand new place in New York. She's like, this is my first piece of art. She got it. Then she reached out again. She's like, hey, I'm going to be in LA with my daughter. Would love to come take her to the studio to meet you so you can show her. She's like an aspiring artist and it'd just be really cool. I'm like, yeah, sure. Come on down. She came in and we hung out, connected, showed them around. That was it. Little convo here and there. And then months go by and then this email she writes comes in with like a and it ends with this interest you and that's when i'm like holy shit am i reading this right like <laughs> i'm like what like and i'm a diehard nfl fan like i played football like i love football like a lot of the things that i need to partner with like i partnered with mandala because i love their product i love them i love the team everything it's not like some random tequila it's like there's things BMW. Part of I grew up in a BMW. I love BMWs. Of course, I said yes to that, right? So of course, the NFL. Other than just being the NFL, but authentically, I'm like, dude, I love the NFL, the Eagles and the Rams. Let's go. I've been to tons of games. Like, I wait, who is your team? Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the LA Rams. Okay, as long as you didn't say the Raiders. No. Okay, good. I'm a Chargers fan. No, you guys could go back to San Diego also. I hope. I wish they would. If you go to a Chargers game, you'll see the love sculpture at the game. That's I so did. Fun. I saw it. And I didn't oh, realize. No, I went to a game last year. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But no clue. So when I got everything, I was like, I saw that. So I did see it. It is super, super cool. And yeah, Chargers need to come back to San Diego because... SoFi Stadium is not their home. So I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> SoFi Stadium is awesome. But anyway, it is. <laughs> um, one thing leads to another, leads to another. And I think it comes down to putting in the work, putting in the reps. You know, a long time ago, I said I'd love to do something with the NFL. So I've said it over time. So saying it, doing it, doing the things, showing up, talking about it, having the convos, then that comes in. I'm like, this would be amazing. Let's do it. And they, they pitched an idea and I'm like, that's yes. And I got on the phone with one of the guys and he's like, dude, we love what you've done building your brand and building the mission and building what you're doing. We want to help back you and champion you because this is something the NFL can get behind. So it's not just like, Hey, here's your art. We like it. It's like, we like how you're showing up in the world, the mission you're putting out there. You know, I say we're creating a culture of love. And so it's all of that. Mm -hmm. It's not just coin flip. I got lucky. Right. I think it's because I'm so committed to this mission that I'm doing and what I'm creating and, and, and people start aligning to it. And that's what I think is the most important part, having that meaningful mission, being committed to what you're doing, being you through and through 24 seven. It's not just a show. It's like really what you're doing. And even after that deal, you don't stop. Like, okay, that was cool. What's next? So we've got We've got hats coming out for nine teams. One of them is the Raiders. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm a forever Raider hater. <laughs> All good. All good. So we have two different hats for nine different teams coming out. So that's going to be really cool. Let's see where else we could keep going. The Choose Love stickers on the helmets were part of it. And then they film, like, they're like, hey, let's do this. And then they're like, hey, we want to film you. We want to showcase. So they did a five-minute thing. And it's also tied into the Buffalo shooting. So it's like, how can the bill started choosing love? Like, how do we start amplifying this and make it contagious? And I mean, when you start getting backed by these big companies with big power about a message that you have, that's what matters. Everything else. And how much love was Damar Hamlin shown when everything happened with him? Part of the bills, you know? That was wild. So yeah, just all of that. I mean, the, the bills... Got hit hard last year. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways. So just keep going. Keep pushing forward. Keep showing up. Being who you are. Don't stare, Don't stray from it. You can't fake this. Mm-hmm. 
You know, when people meet me, they're like, oh, you're the same thing you put on Instagram, the same thing on your stories, the same thing in person. That's who we are. That's my wife, my 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 kid, my family. Where it's next for you? Where are you going? Or what do you want? Mm, many things. I would love, and I keep saying it out there. This is how also things happen. You just keep saying it. So Nike, my team has heard it. People hear it all the time. Nike's going to say, just do it like Ruben and live through love. That's the campaign. One day it's going to happen. You know, and I'll be like, I interviewed him. <laughs> you know, Jordan, I'd love an official collab Jordan. They're starting to collab with more artists. I mean, currently it's musicians and stuff, but at some point it's got to be a, a street artist or something and we'll do something. So that I'd love to design the uniform for the Olympics that are coming to L.A. Just imagine the U.S. team coming out in red, white, and blue love patterned uniforms. And to me, the intention, it's not about, yes, it's really cool that I, I would get to do that. Look, I'm not going to sidebar that. But how powerful, this is really the thought. How powerful is it for the United States to show up leading with love? We're not looking very well these days. You know, like the amount you know of that other, Like we send out these travel advisories and other countries send out travel advisories that the U.S. is not a safe place to visit. I did not know that. Other countries have sent out travel advisories because of, I mean, obviously all the mass shootings, hate crimes, like all these things that are happening. There have definitely been um, other countries that have given those types of travel advisories to others. Interesting. So, yeah. But, but yeah, so what's that? I mean, just keep going. Keep going and keep pushing and see where this goes. and See it everywhere. What? Because you're literally making your mark all over the world. What do you want your son to be able to see as he grows up and seeing your work? What do you want him to be able to, to what's the biggest impact you would want for him? Well, his middle name's Love. So besides seeing his name all over the world, knowing that anyone can make a difference and he can make a difference, it doesn't matter who you are. Like I turned a scribble into where we're at right now. You found a way. Make your money, pay your bills, feed your family. Make an impact, yeah. I always leave a moment to, if there's something I didn't ask, uh, if there's something else that you want to make sure that you're sharing, I want to make sure I give you a moment to be able to say any final words as we wrap up. I have really, truly loved this conversation. No pun intended, but you know... <laughs> Um, if there's anything else you want to share. I don't know. I mean, I, I sometimes ask people that, but I'm also just terrible at saying all the things because then I'm like, oh, is that braggadocious? And people are like, no, you need to. No, you people. need to take up room. You need to take but, up space. Uh, no, just help support. Like if anyone can help this year, like I segmented my company into multiple companies. There's the media company let's call it the merch company to make it easy in the art company. So like the merch, taking the clothing brand to a whole new level, there's no reason it shouldn't be everywhere. Mm -hmm. I've taken it as far and I'm going to continue taking it as far to the camp, but there's definitely someone out there. Maybe I always say it's like that retired Apple or Nike executive. That's like, Hmm, I could have fun here because they're already retired. They've already succeeded. Let's see yeah. where we can take this. Like, that's what I would say. It's like finding more people to build the team out and make this thing bigger because it's bigger than me and I can't do it alone. People can find you at Ruben Drojas, right? RubenDrojas.com. Yeah, everything, just my name. Yes, and at all social media at Ruben Drojas. I will make sure everything is in the show notes. And Ruben, I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, seriously. I know we had some technical difficulties at the beginning, but see, this was meant because there was not a single glitch in our entire conversation. Very Did true. you notice that? I was I noticing was that noticing halfway it. through. <laughs> I noticed it about 10 minutes ago and I'm like, oh, don't say anything. <laughs> I waited till the very end. <laughs> so make sure to hit up Ruben on social media and on his website. Go visit his murals, take pictures, tag him, buy the merch, do all of the things, mi gente, because I know how much we love to support our community and this is no exception. So 
Muchísimas gracias, Ruben. I appreciate you so much. And until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.